I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey Dave, how are you today? I am good. I'm happy to talk to you from my uh, safe house here, the bunker. <laughs> Us as well, yes. So, you know, we're I live in Virginia. Schools are closed in Virginia pretty much. Today the governor said no gra- gatherings of more than 100 people. Um, and I think it's, you know, we're, we're settling in for the long haul here. How about you? Similar story. Um, just a few minutes ago, New York City Public Schools announced that they're down, I think, through April and perhaps for the full school year. Um, my kids are, well, I've got um, one son who's in college right now, and um, he's down indefinitely, it seems like. Um, Caroline, um, her school district uh, is down for the next two weeks, uh, but I would suspect that it's going to be considerably longer than that. And um, Max, who's taking a gap year right now, um, he, he had a concert scheduled for Monday that was going to be a small concert in a tiny venue, and he pulled the plug on it because he felt that it was irresponsible to go forward with I it. I saw so, that. Oh, and by the way, I listened to his new song, and it's amazing. So check, oh, hit up the nice. deep end, people. Hit it up. It's really, really good. Yeah, if you go to – we'll now do the shameless plug part of our uh, podcast for a family member. But if you go to uh, any of the major streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Music, you can uh, listen to his new single. And the band's name is The Deep End. I should know the name of the single, um, but it's eluding me at the moment. I'm going to look it up again. I think it's called There It Goes Again. It's something like that. It was really, really good. So check it out. But in case ever you are, you know, living completely unplugged from all news, um, you know that Dave and I started this by talking about uh, the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, um, and all of the the life changes that it has uh, forced upon everybody. Um, you know, and in today's podcast, that's what we're going to go over. Um, independence can be a challenge for people in the limb loss, limb difference community. And some of the social distancing and getting prepared, um, you know, where you can get up-to-date information about COVID-19, how you can minimize the risk of contracting it, and just as important, contaminating others. Um, and how do you imp- how do you approach social distancing? How do you get prepared? What do you need to do? What sort of limb loss, limb difference prep do you need to to take to make sure that you have everything that you need to be able to kind of hunker down for a few weeks at a time? Yep, great, great tee up for, for what we're going to talk about, Peggy. So. Let's start with just a, a really basic question, which is, what is COVID-19? Uh, let's just start from ground zero. And so it's a respiratory disease, and this is caused by a new coronavirus. Coronavirus is a class of viruses, um, and COVID-19 is, is the newest version of that. It was first detected in China several months ago. It's now in more than 100 countries. Specifically, this is what's called a beta coronavirus, B-E-T-A coronavirus, and uh, that essentially means it has its origin in bats. Um, and, and many of the early patients in China um, who were uh, who were diagnosed with COVID-19 were uh, linked to a large animal market, an animal and fish market um, in a very rural province in China. Um, so the, the operating theory is that this was most likely triggered by an animal to person spread. Uh, but now 
the disease is what's called community-based, meaning that it's being spread person to person. Um, and that's obviously been reported here in the U.S. if you've been following the news. Um, importantly, uh, it's, you know, you have to understand that while this is a, a coronavirus that is not particularly dangerous for younger people, um, certainly people under the age of 50, um, for older patients, it is uh, a real risky uh, strain of flu. So the mortality rate for people over 60 is 6%, and it's estimated as high as 18% for people over 80 based on the numbers originally from China. And people can, you know, we can debate whether or not those numbers will bear out in the United States with different healthcare uh, system and an approach to healthcare. But from the data we currently have with the largest population of patients, that's what it shows. Um, but in any event, the mortality rate is estimated to be uh, at least 12%, maybe as much as 25%, 24% higher than regular seasonal flu. So a lot of people are saying, well, how is this any more dangerous than seasonal flu, which, you know, is, you know, kills a lot of people? Well, the mortality rate here is considerably higher and it has a particularly high impact on patients um, over 60 and, and, and certainly over 80. And it's serious. I mean, Dave, if you come down with symptoms of COVID-19, it can be very mild to death. So it's really, I mean, you're, you're talking the whole spectrum of things. Um, they include a fever, a dry cough, fatigue, and shortness of breath in about 19% of cases. Um, and symptoms appear two to 14 days after exposure, which is a pretty wide window of kind of an incubation period, which is why they put the social distancing into effect. Because two to 14 days, you could get, you know, you could be a carrier for this and not even know it for almost two full weeks. And think of everybody that you're going to interact with within that time period. It's scary. It certainly is. Um you know, and and important to remember that you know not everyone will be symptomatic. Um, so you can be asymptomatic, but if you go and then the, the, the a lot of people are talking about you know the, you can kill your grandparents if you are asymptomatic but have the disease and go and visit your grandparents and you hug your grandmother hello and she catches it and she's in her eighties you know her mortality rate just uh, increased significantly uh, as opposed to if you had not been in that house with her. I read an article, um, I think it was the Washington Post, might have been the New York Times, but it was about talking about what happened in Italy that, that when the school shut down, a lot of parents kind of hit up their parents, the grandparents, to watch the kids while they weren't in school. And now the grandparents are dying because of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. And there there are some emergency warning symptoms that require immediate medical attention. You want to walk through those, Peggy? Uh, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, uh, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion or kind of an inability to wake up or rouse, or bluish lips or face. I mean, those are kind of, you know, Dave, in all honesty, if you have any of those medical conditions, you know, any of those symptoms suddenly, regardless of if it's happening because of COVID-19, just as good measure, you should probably always seek medical attention, you know, if your lips are turning blue and you have pain in your chest. 
<laughs> good <laughs> advice. But if people are wondering where are we getting this information from, you know, if you're saying, well, you know, the, you're you're underestimating, you're overestimating it, whatever you think, um, the, the information here, the bulk of it is coming from the CDC website. Um, and, um, some of the, you know, there are percentages you'll see when you look at our show notes for this podcast, Peggy talks about fever, dry cough, fatigue, shortness of breath as symptoms that may appear, uh, anywhere from two to four days after exposure. And those percentages are all from the world health organization. So these are not partisan, um, entities that we're getting statistics from. These are, these are governmental agencies or other, um, other nonprofit organizations that don't have a particular agenda. So with with COVID nineteen, Dave, the thing is, is it you know unlike seasonal flu, where you can get the flu shot, and even if you come down with the flu, it's hoped that the symptoms aren't as strong. There's nothing really to to help with COVID nineteen in terms of prevention, other than minimizing exposure and making sure that things are clean and sanitized. Um, that's why it's really really paramount right now that people take this social um, social distancing seriously, right? This is not the time, oh, your kids are home. Let's go to the mall. Let's go to the movies. Let's go to the bounce houses. I mean, you know, you have to, even if you are healthy and your kids are healthy, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to transmit this to somebody who may not be as fortunate enough to have a strong immune system. Yeah, I mean, this is really about sort of general social responsibility and and thinking about other people. And, um, you know, we live in a polarized society um, and and lots of people. um, It it was very interesting today. I actually saw um, on one of the morning news shows, Peggy, a poll that showed a, a very strong difference between Democrats, registered Democrats and registered Republicans around whether or not they believed this, whether they planned on uh, engaging, I think, in social distancing, but effectively how serious did they think this was? And the numbers were almost 30% higher for Democrats than Republicans. Um, And I, I, I don't say that with any sort of agenda or analysis of it. It's just, it reflects the fact that different people are looking at this differently. And I think you, you and I, as, as people who, um, are part of a community that includes a lot of people with multiple comorbidities in it, people who have multiple medical conditions. You know, think of the people um, who are in those situations. Um, this is not something where you get bonus points for being cool and a hero and going out and hanging out with lots of people. Exactly. Um, this is not the time to prove a point of, you know, puffing at your chest and no one's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. And you know, if we, if we don't, even if you, even if you want to do that, please think about the fact that there are healthcare workers um, out there who are killing themselves right now to, to serve us. And um, you, you may have heard the term flatten the term a lot, flatten the curve a lot over the last few days. But the basic concept here is by immediately and proactively adopting a social distancing approach and even to some degree some some amount of self-isolation from other people uh, we can take what is going to be in, in any circumstance a pretty significant spike in total cases and instead of having them all hit at roughly the same time we can spread that out over a significantly longer period of time and if we do that the health system will be much better able to manage through this um, and if you're sitting there saying, well, why does that matter? If, if you happen to be in some kind of accident in the next few weeks and the hospital beds are completely full 
and there's nowhere for you to be seen, you're going to be at much greater risk of serious long-term injury or death uh, because uh, we didn't take the appropriate steps to try to minimize the impact on the health system as a whole. Exactly. So how do you avoid exposure, Dave? Uh, person-to-person spread occurs when you're in close contact with each, with another person within six feet. Um, and it, this COVID-19 right now spread primarily through respiratory droplets when an infected person coughs or sneezes. That's why they're talking about constantly washing your hands and disinfecting you know, disinfecting hard surfaces and, and things like that. Uh, what what can you do to try to stay safe? First and foremost, wash your hands at least 20 seconds. Don't do, you know, the old college bar hand wash where you get them wet and walk away, right? Actually use soap, actually lather uh, for 20 seconds. Really get in there, you know, sing a little song, meditate, whatever you need to do to kind of calm down and make sure you do all 20 seconds. Um, and then dry them with either a clean towel if you're home or a disposable paper towel when you're out and about. Um, if you don't have soap and water, you can use hand sanitizer, um, but make sure that it contains at least 60% alcohol. Avoid touching your eyes, your nose, your mouth with unwashed hands. Just, as you know, it's out of good measure. Just avoid touching your eyes, nose, and hands, even if your hands are sparkling clean. Just, it's a good habit to get into. Um, social distance. Stay at least six feet away from people. Stay away from crowds. If you're sick, stay home, except if you need to go get medical care. Don't go out if you if you think, oh, it's just a cold. I'm going to go to the movies because I can just sit. No, don't. Just stay home. Just call up Netflix and chill. That's what it's there for. Cover your coughs and sneezes with your elbow, not your hands. If you're sick, wear a face mask and disinfect and clean those hard surfaces. That includes tables, doorknobs, light switches, handles, desks, phone, keyboards, toilets, ATM keyboards, um, the little, you know, self-checkout, the the ATM swiper there. After you touch that, sanitize your hands. It's just, you know, everybody needs to work together to try to make sure that this does, thing does not keep spreading. Yep. Really good summary, Peggy. So, you know, a lot of people in response to all of this, and, and I would guess I would sort of count myself among those, while I'm not um, no one in my house has any symptoms and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't like to be alarmist. We have largely self-isolated from other people. Um, you know, my daughter has been bugging me for the last 48 hours. Uh, Hey, can I have someone sleep over? And I said, no, you can't have a friend come and sleep over. Why not? Well, because I know that you two will be right next to each other all night, and I don't know where that person's been, and frankly, they don't know where you've been, and even if you're both asymptomatic, let's just not do anything stupid here. Exactly. Um, so, you know, but when you start to do that, you know, and, you know, you can you can self-quarantine, or if you're symptomatic, you should be, you know, you should be quarantining as a matter of policy, and then there will be people who listen to this podcast um, who in the next month will be diagnosed with coronavirus. And that's not your fault. It's just statistically likely. Um, and so what do you do when you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can um, so, I take this one? <laughs> yeah, please. Go ahead. So I'm going to, I'm going to, um, 
get a little personal here. I don't talk about it a lot in this podcast. I do talk about it a lot on my blog, uh, but my youngest does have an autoimmune disease. So for the past few years, uh, we have been essentially put in quarantine for his own safety during flu season. Um, so I have become a pro and our family has become a pro at kind of living within our own little bubble. So while everybody else is is kind of going stir crazy and not knowing what to do, I'm kind of in the hold my beer, we've got this mode. Sure. Um, this is not our first rodeo. So I will tell you what we do every year um, b- right before flu season when I know that we're going to be put in lockdown. First thing that I do as an amputee is I make sure that my prosthesis is in really good working order. Uh, If I have any alignment issues, if I need liners, if I'm having sores or breakdown or pinching, or I know that I need a new foot, I take care of all of that, uh, you know, before before you're going to be quarantined. So if you have not done it yet, now is a good time. To make sure, you know, if you've been putting off that appointment to the prosthetist because, you know, you're, you're able to deal with the little tweaks, get it taken care of now. Because I will tell you, when you are home and you have nothing kind of to distract you from the aggravation of an ill-fitting prosthesis, it will drive you crazy. So while you can, get it taken care of. Um, and Peggy, can I, can I jump in here for a sec? Because... This is a really good point. Um, and one of the things that I've been doing for the last 72 business hours is um, coordinating how uh, patient care centers that I'm responsible for, prosthetic patient care centers, themselves are responding to this and making sure that um, we're keeping both the providers, the prosthetists and, and staff who work in uh, O&P offices, as well as the patients themselves safe. And I will, I will let people know that I know, at least in some clinics around the U.S., and certainly the ones that I'm responsible for, one of the things we're looking at closely is what types of appointments should we be continuing to have? Should it only be emergency appointments, um, something that is, has truly gone horribly wrong and a person is no longer mobile versus stuff that is, quote, not an emergency, close quote. Um, so be aware that when you call, um, you may not be subject to sort of the normal scheduling uh, that you're used to at your prosthetic facility. Appointments might be in some ways harder to get because only emergency appointments are being scheduled. Alternatively, when you do go in, I would also make sure to ask them, do you, are they taking any special procedures to make sure you're protected? Many places are staggering their appointments. Exactly. So instead of having patients back to back like they normally do, they're, they're scheduling gaps between patients, which makes a facility less efficient uh, from a patient sta- patient care standpoint, but protects patients more. So just be aware that, yes, you should be making sure that your prosthesis is in good working order, but if you are getting um, some level of resistance or not the, the, uh, uh, less than prompt response on some of this from a scheduling standpoint, be aware that may be done in part to protect you. And don't hesitate to suggest as an alternative using some type of video appointment to try to work through some of these issues. If you're having some alignment issues, if you're having fit issues, prosthetists can sometimes analyze what's going on using FaceTime or other video conferencing techniques and give you some suggestions about things you can do to alleviate the situation without having to come into the facility. Very good. 
Yes, good points. Um, the second thing is make sure you have all your necessary supplies and spares. Now, we're kind of behind the eight ball on this one because a lot of time with supplies that necessitates the uh, physician's prescription, which necessitates a visit, and it's really everybody is being encouraged to avoid going to doctor's appointments unless it's truly medically necessary at the time. Um, so, you know, just keep this in mind in case you have to self-quarantine at another time, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. But right now, make sure that, that your repair kit, your prosthetic supplies, your first aid kits are all complete and up to date. Do you have Neosporin? Do you have the Silvadine cream? Do you have whatever you need or may need during typical use for skin breakdown? Make sure you have it. Refill all medications. Most insurers are waiving the, 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 you know, most insurers will not cover refills if you refill them early. Now you can. With the exception of narcotics, you can pretty much stock up 60 to 90 day supplies right now. If you can get that done. Uh, what we do, we get a lot of laundry soap. We do a lot of laundry uh, when we're, when we're quarantined. A lot of dish soap and bom, 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 the toilet paper. Or, you know, if you can't find toilet paper, Dave, you can still go to Home Depot and buy a bidet. So you can be covered either way. Just know that that's an option. Yeah, I, I don't know at what point toilet paper became more valuable than gold. Um, and I heard that this was happening in the Midwest for reasons that didn't make sense to me. And Kara and I went to the grocery store on... Uh, I think Thursday night say, no, we'll go there and we'll pick up some supplies. And when we got to the paper aisle, I was somewhat stunned to see that literally all the toilet paper was gone. Yeah. People, I, I, I don't, I don't quite understand the run on toilet paper, but it, I guess people feel really strongly about they, it. They don't know what people, I think that just stems from, you don't know what else to do. Right. And that's something that you really don't want to, to, to run out of, I guess. Um, but if you're running low, it's always good to have a few rolls ahead. So go ahead and get some. If you're the parent of a young child, get a month's worth of diapers in. Make sure you have formula. Make sure you have children's medicines. Make sure you have stuff in case they get a cold. Make sure you have the Tylenol for kids. Make sure you have Benadryl for kids. If you're going to be spending more time inside, you might have more allergies and, and, you know, dander and things like that. You need to make sure that you have allergy medicine, not only for your kids, but for yourself as well. Food, you know, long lasting items, canned foods are great. We're not talking about an incident where we're going to be losing power. You're still going to have a freezer, get some frozen pizzas, get, you know, whatever food you like to eat when you're sick, just in case. So I know when I don't feel well, I like alphabet soup from Campbell's. So we have a few cans just in case, um, because we know we're not going to be able to run out if we need it. Uh, so whatever kind of food items you like, get them, get some snacks. It's going to suck being inside. It does. So, you know, you don't want to, you know, eat your way through the entire month, but you definitely want snacks and some comfort foods as well. Another thing is get cash. Um, you know, you really don't want to be touching the, the ATMs and things like that. And just because 
you're staying inside and away from people, the world in some form is going to be continuing out there. There's still going to be grocery delivery, at least for, for right now. There's still going to be food delivery, pizza delivery, things like that. Um, and in my opinion, if somebody's going to go to the grocery store for me and kind of go into the viral zone and bring me my peanuts and canned soup, I'm going to give them a nice tip. And I like to do that in cash. Um, if you're stir crazy, if you have kids, think about the household projects that you've been wanting to do. The weather's going to be nicer. You know, everybody should have beautiful gardens and very manicured yard lawns by the time this is over. Because you can, you know, instead of weekend projects, you can work on them whenever. Um, most streaming services offer a free month. Start at Disney Plus, work your way through that. Netflix, Hulu, whatever. You know, months and months and months of free services. A lot of different learning apps are offering free uh, free use during this time. You know, ABC Mouse, Brain Pop. Um, what else? It, Kiwi Crates is doing something. You can get a free meal cooking kit through Radish Kids. There's a lot of things out there. And Dave, I can send you a link that we can include in these notes. Um of a lot of these different services and things that are offered for free. Great. Um, crayons, paper, crafts. You know, if, if your kids can't go to school down the road, there's a nursing home or a rehab center where they can't get visitors. So, you know, it seems to me it's a perfect opportunity to put the two together and have your kids draw pictures and write letters and send them to a nursing home, you know, brighten somebody's day. Very good point. Um, and, and that, that'll go to sort of what we're going to summarize here. So we're going to walk through what the, what the key takeaways are from this podcast, but keep what Peggy just said in mind, uh, when I come back to the final thing we're going to say substantively here. So to summarize, COVID-19, it's something you should take seriously. And while you may be asymptomatic, the threat to older people is a real one and, and we want to be considerate of them. You want to watch for symptoms and if you have them, self-isolate immediately. Slowing the spread of COVID-19 is critical. Overreacting now is our best chance to minimize impact. Um, monitor reliable sources of information like the CDC website, like local state and uh, like state and local uh, health departments. Follow common sense steps like the ones we've laid out, hand washing, social distancing, etc. cetera. Uh, and when quarantining, follow our suggested steps. And then to close this out, just remember, this is a very stressful time. Um, I know from talking to family members and other people, um, some people are, are relatively unfazed by this, but others are really anxious um, and scared. And when people are anxious and scared, they tend to do things that um, can be less productive um, and more destructive. Be kind to other people. Help and support other people and stay safe yourself. I'm going to add one thing to that, Dave. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, talking from a, a parent perspective is that your kids are stressed out. Um, I know that a lot of parents are, are really frustrated that their kids aren't going to be able to go to school. It, things are going to get chaotic. Routines are going to be changed. You know, try to relax. In, in a year from now, the kids are not going to remember, you know, what, what exactly they did every single day. 
but they are going to remember how you reacted and how the family dynamic maintained during this event. You, This is really an opportunity as a parent to really demonstrate how you act in a crisis. When things kind of turn upside down and it's a scary situation, how you act now is, is going to be what your kids remember. Yeah. And I think this is, this is true more broadly for any type of emergency, right? Peggy, not just, um, a public health crisis, like, uh, like a pandemic. Um, you know, when, when things get difficult, um, and, and people get scared, you, you know, the, the, the way to handle that most effectively is to be a leader and, and, and leaders don't themselves panic and create more chaos. What they do is while not minimizing the risks or threats inherent in a particular situation, um, they do respond in a way that is calm and they, they stick to, you don't get too complex in your messaging. If you've got kids, you don't have to get into mind numbing detail about this. You talk to them about, Hey, just make sure keep washing your hands. But don't, don't be slobbering all over your friends and sleeping in the same bed with them. Um, you know, th- there are very simple things you can be saying to them to both get them through this safely and, um, to, you know, decrease the amount of anxiety that this type of crisis, uh, if we want to call it that, provokes. And if you're feeling stressed and you're feeling like you're kind of at the end of your rope, there are a lot of resources out there that have opened up uh, for adults who are struggling to deal with this from online counseling to, you know, online group therapy sessions, things like that. So if you, if you find that you're struggling, don't forget, don't, don't be ashamed to reach out to these resources for help. Good point, Peggy. Thanks so much. All right. Have we covered this one? I think so. Keep washing those hands, Dave, and stay safe. I will do that. And I will end the podcast. I, you know, I'm embarrassed that 26 minutes ago, I couldn't tell you what the name of my son's song was because I've only heard it a thousand times, but I don't know the title. The title of the song, It Goes Around Again by The Deep End. There you go. So check it out. It's a good song. Let us know what you think. Thanks. All right. We'll talk soon. Great. Bye. Great talking to you, Peggy. Bye.